All right, the final ranking list on the Burning Leaf podcast, ending with the center position. They're franchise changers, highly regarded, and there are many good ones out there. And that's why it was really, really hard to come down to the 10 best as of right now. We came in with 15 to the dock, but we are cutting five guys, which was actually a lot tougher than it sounds. But that is indeed the case. And am I right, boys, to say that it was really tough to cut those final five guys from our list and kind of nail that down to 10 oh it was more di- it was just difficult finding 10 in general i think like even the top 10s i think we were all pretty similar up until about the 8 to 15 point but man yeah cutting those 15 to 10 it was that was brutal you really start to it really you can really see why like these lists can be so difficult because like there's so many amazing centers yeah and like you think it's easy because you just lift list off 10 and call it a day but like there's some great names on this list that we just had to cut there's just too many great centers in the game yeah and there's honestly many more to come for the next couple years but those five guys we have off the list is yeah it's tough they literally could be deserving of being on this top 10 rankings but as of right now this is the final 10 rankings and this is the final ranking system we have that we've been doing we had defensemen we had goalies we had wingers and this is centers obviously to end that ranking system so at number 10, we have from the Tampa Bay Lightning, Steven Stamkos. And Steven Stamkos to the net, scores! Uh, Tom, you can take this first one away. Yeah, I wasn't really... Uh, I was convinced to put him on this list. I didn't really think he was sort of deserving to be on this because to be a top 10 player, top 10 center, you should probably have to play games and just throughout his career... You know, the injuries, the blood clots, the broken leg. And then you look back and you think like, oh, he broke his leg. And then the timetable for that was going to be the next season. And he was able to come back and he just was well ahead of progress in terms of where he should have been. Um, But like when he's playing, he's one of the premier goal scorers of the league right up there with the Ovechkins and the Matthews. And like it's hard to deny how good Steven Stamkos is and even if you look at like this playoffs, he came back and played like a two minute, two minutes in one game, scored a goal, energized the Lightning against Dallas, and like you can't really argue that that had some sort of effect on Tampa Bay. Like they wanted to win for this guy. He just was always there, greeting them off the ice, seeing them onto the ice. He's a leader. He's what Team Canada looks for. He's what the Lightning look for. And even if he's not playing, he's still part of that heart and soul of this team. And I really think. When he's playing, he's unstoppable. But the injuries, as much of a knock on that on him as like they can be, they're not as big as we tend to think. Yeah. This isn't a guy that's injury prone, I would say. Like you look at the three massive ones he's had. There was obviously the broken leg against Boston where he like, slammed it into the post. Like that would that could have happened to anyone. You know, the plug clots, not right. his fault. There was was it his fibula or his tibula, something, whatever happened in sixteen, seventeen. Again, like it, these are freak injuries. This isn't someone who's like piece like made out of glass, like say Chris Tanev. When he's healthy, he's so so good. Like he's proved it over the past even just three years when he's been when he's been healthy. You know, he had ninety eight points in eighteen nineteen. Um, this year, he was over point per game with sixty six and fifty seven. Like Tom, you said, he's one of the premier goal scorers we've ever seen. Like he had sixty uh, way back when. He's just right. When he's right. there, this Tampa team, the fact that they won the cup without him to me just speaks volumes about how good their team is. Um, they might have even had it easier when he was healthy, if he was healthy the entire playoffs, which is 
crazy to me. But Stamkos, he's been one of the elites since he walked into the league. Um, and he's still that now. I, I don't think mm-hmm. there's any argument to be made against him other than, like you said, the injuries. Everyone seems to love him. Like Everything I've seen of him like off the ice, like any kind of clips or any kind of things we've heard about him, he seems like such a great dude as well. So um, Stamkos at 10. I mean, I had him a little higher personally, but I mean... As long as he's on the list, that's all that matters to me. Yeah, I mean, Stamkos is just... That elite shot is never going away. I mean, remember those 60 goals he scored in, what, 2012 or something like that? Like, yeah. that shot is just never going away from Stamkos. And it sucks he's injured all the time because he's so good when he plays on that Tampa Bay power play. It's just just fun to watch them toy around literally with the penalty kill and score goals. So, uh, I mean, Steven Stamkos, 10 spot. I mean, I think he's pretty deserving of that. Just maybe the guys who were on the bubble maybe should have made it over him considering... The amount of games Stamkos plays in a season, but I'm fine with Stamkos being a top 10 center because when he's on, he is a top 10 center in the league. There's no arguing that. Uh, I think we're good with explaining at number 10, Steven Stamkos, who is in that slot. Yeah. We can go to number nine and the finish flash himself. Sebastian Ajo! Man, everyone's going to think we're like some like Carolina Hurricane <laughs> oh, yeah. bandwagon squad. And like, I might be. I love the Hurricanes, but... No, Ajo, since he's really stepped into the league, I remember in his rookie year, he's been really nothing short of incredible. Like, the guy was a second-round pick back in 2015 that just absolutely stacked draft class uh, back in 2015. And um, he's really the driver of that Hurricanes offense. Like, him and Andrei Svechnikov and uh, Tevo Teravina, they've really been uh, those key, key drivers of the team. Like, this year... Uh, 66 points in 68 games. He had 83 a year ago, um, which is crazy. And his playoff, like he's been really good in the playoffs as well. He's only played 23 games, but he has 24 points. What strikes me about Aho the most probably is like he's so deceptively fast. Like you watch him play, he's not the biggest guy out there, but he moves incredibly well. And he's got terrific hands. Like his shot. Super underrated, in my opinion. The guy just picks corners like it's nothing. Defensively responsible. He's kind of everything that you want in a number one center. You know, he's able to go up against top competition. He's able to dominate when he has to. And, like, yeah, his line is very good. When he's when Svechnikov and Taravainen are both on their games, like, that's such a dangerous line. And we could be talking about that being one of the most, um, one of the best lines in the league probably in the next few years. Maybe in, even so, maybe when the season starts in a month. We can be talking about this being one of the most dangerous lines in the league. But Sebastian Ajo, Tom, I know you're a huge fan of him. So um, what do you love so much about Ajo? Just the way he's able to play and control the game. If you watch him play, like, although he is the center on his line, he's able to, like, it's not really good if you try to work the game from the outside. But he's someone that can kind of do that. He creates space in ways that not many players can. There's a thing when you look for on the rush, and it's really hard to defend lane switching. So you have your left, your center, and your right lanes. The Carolina team is very good at switching over the lanes. Center goes to the left, winger goes to the middle, and vice versa all over, and they all twist and weave. And as a defense, that's really hard to defend against. And then that's credit to Ajo and his line mates. And maybe more of a system thing, but the players play really well into it. And it's something that makes him very deadly to be able to switch over like that. And it's really hard to defend against. Now, if I had one knock on him, it would be his face-offs aren't the 
best, he was minus 71 on the draws this year. But, uh, like, he puts up points. He's the number one center on the Hurricanes. And, like like you said, we're, we, it could be seen as, like, we're Carolina fanboys. But, like, they are a very good team. They have some very good players. And, like, even this year, he wasn't necessarily a point per game, but he was close. In the playoffs, he had 12 points in eight games, three goals, nine assists. But, like, it's just the way he's able to attack the opposing team, and it makes it really hard for them to sort of predict. And just his skill set overall. The, I talked about the Finnish players having a different sort of emphasis on skill and the individual skill. And then the team systems will come through different coaching staffs. And he's really a product of just having really great skill and coming up through the system. And just overall, a very skilled player in all aspects, offensive, defensive. And I really think he is deserving of being on this list. Yeah, Aho probably had one of the quietest 38 goal seasons because there were so many goals scored during the year. Am I right? 100%. It's the way he scores. Remember that goal against the Rangers against D'Angelo? Oh, yeah, that's... Dangle his pants off. Yeah. Iconic. Yeah. And, and they I'll, talk about like moving from the outside to the inside. Like, exactly. You don't expect that. Strip somebody along the boards and then just push the net like you're a really big guy. And he's not the biggest, but he did. I know. He's, he's strong on his skates and he has individual skill. And it's just, he's a force. And I don't think we're Carolina fanboys here. I just think like I most definitely am. Well, yeah, maybe you, yeah, but like <laughs> I'm just saying like they just have that that many good players on their team, which is really noticeable and for us at least because if you ask someone on the street, if you ask ten people, I don't think nine out of ten people can tell you who Sebastian Aho is. To be honest, like it's, he's really just coming up and. Montreal offer sheeted him a few years ago. I thought they should have offered a bit more, but that just tells you how good Sebastian Ajo is. When you have all the teams looking at you in the NHL, kind of wanting you on their team, especially, it's just pretty incredible to watch. So that's such a blessing for Carolina too. Oh though, yeah, mm-hmm. the offer sheet. Yeah, because like you yeah. look at him, he really could one hundred percent make more than eight points. Do you think he would have got more? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, from the team nine, nine ten after the year he was coming off of. I could see nine easily, especially like. With Ranton and got nine point five. There's an argument for at least nine. Aho is a he's really damn good. Like second round pick. Like yeah, I know. I'm still like boggling my mind. Back to that World Junior was it 2016? 2016. 16. The the line, Aho line was just oof. so good. You said it best. Uh, one of the best players in the NHL. One of the best goal scorers, kind of in the NHL right now. So another guy who could probably be one of the best goal scorers in the NHL and can probably ask for a lot of money from his team. Is coming up in the number eight slot, Elias Pettersson of the Vancouver Canucks. Elias Pettersson scores! Russo, you see him quite a bit in the Pacific Division, and you're going to be seeing him a lot in the Canadian Division this year. So why don't you tell us about Elias Pettersson? I got to witness his first NHL, well, not live, but, you know, he did rip his first NHL goal against my favorite team. Um, And he's just been such a pain in the ass to the Flames since he stepped into the NHL, like, there was obviously that goal he scored in his first game where he ripped the top corner. There was his second game where I think he had uh, two goals were pretty much like just one-timers. Like, yeah, like I don't think Patterson gets enough love around the league. Um, personally, I would have had him uh, maybe a little higher, uh, but you look at the seven centers that come after him and it's kind of, uh, you know, there's a reason he is where he is. But this guy, I think he has all the potential in the world to be a top five in the league someday, maybe even potentially top three. You know, you look at the way Patterson plays. Obviously, he's not the biggest guy out there. He's been thrown around a few times, but 
Um, especially this year, I think he got a lot better with the physicality of the game. Um, he was throwing his body around a little bit better than maybe he was in his rookie year. But the guy who looks like an alien, he he plays like one sometimes. And like he's just all over it. Like he plays sometimes like he's from another world. Like he's sometimes McDavid-like with the way he plays. And it's almost scary sometimes. His shot, it's like, this guy is one of the best shots in the NHL. Like, you look at the guy. He looks so skinny. He looks so small. And this guy rips it like 100 miles an hour. Agreed, Like, yeah. it was at the All-Star game, right? He, where he topped 100? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 102, like, I think. Yeah. His playmaking is off the charts. He skates incredibly well. This guy has every single tool to be a number one, like, center in the league. Like, maybe, like, he's definitely on his own team 100%. Um, but he's got all the tools to do that. The only thing I would probably knock him on is definitely his face-offs. Um, you know, like I said, he's a little skinnier. He's a little smaller. He is going to have to get a little stronger. I know JT Miller took a lot of the face-offs uh, for him this season. I know that was something they brought up, but um, there's no doubting his skill. There's no doubting really anything about Elias Pettersson. Um, he's, he's amazing. There's no other words to describe him, and we're going to be seeing a lot of him, obviously in the Canadian division and it's not going to be fun. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And like you brought up his knock of face-offs and like, that is something uh, he was not necessarily the greatest on. Um, he had a minus 23 face-off differential, which if we look at some others on this list, like it's not too, too bad, but uh, still having your winner have to take face-offs is not necessarily ideal unless you're one of those teams that can have like, a stamp goes on a point where you just play the strong side uh, on the line. But Pedersen, when he was drafted, he was really overlooked. And I think it was something like only three or four teams actually sent scouts to look at him. It was like New Jersey, Vancouver, and like the Rangers or something. And I mean, you can't really overlook a guy like that, especially when he's sort of predicted to be top 10. Like you should probably go look at him in person. And then look at now, he's, what, probably one of the best players out of that draft class. Like, sure, give Nico some credit. But Pedersen probably could have easily have went first overall in it. And he had 66 points in 68 in just his second year. And it's he's going to continue to keep getting better. And hopefully this year in the All-Canadian division, he doesn't rip my team too, too bad because his shot is absolutely deadly. But I don't have a whole lot to say on him. He's just very good, and he's very young. And he will be a force to come, and in a few years, he'll probably be a lot higher on this list. Yeah. He's just overall a very scary player, and the development curve for him is going to be really good. Yeah, like he's just an unreal up-and-coming talent. He has yeah. elite hands, an elite shot, especially one-timer on that power play. It's honestly like kind of incredible. Like It's kind of like a show to watch. Elias Pettersson just, you know the one-timer's coming and you know he's skating back. And you don't see really a one-timer coming from him considering his, like he's so like skinny. And, you know, I, I know the first year he played, it was tough on him. He got hit a lot and got injured. But I think this guy, if he gains a lot more muscle, he's going to be a force to reckon with because that elite shot is just incredible. And, yeah, he had a great first playoff performance last year. Uh, I'm excited to see what Elias Pettersson could do in the National Hockey League just yeah. Obviously, the face-offs is to come because he's so young, and that will and, come. And, and that'll yeah, come what do you have to say? Like, um, like, he has a mentor like Bo Horvat, and Bo Horvat's not necessarily the like number one center that I think maybe they could be. But Vancouver is a very good one, too. And like 
Yeah. Horvat is ridiculously good on the draws and he's very technical like that. So having a mentor like that, it'll comfort Pedersen. I think that's he's almost lucky in a way to have that. That really wraps up on Elias Pedersen at number seven. Uh, we have another Tampa Bay Lightning forward. Um, this guy had an incredible 2020 playoffs. That would be Braden Point. Scores! Yeah, Braden Point, uh, he had a breathtaking playoff performance for the Tampa Lightning. And he, almost some nights, he put the team on his back with Kucherov. It was just an incredible watch considering he was on my fantasy team for playoffs. And I had my eye on him a lot. But he led all players in goals with 14th, even strength goals, even strength points, and overtime goals in the playoffs alone. So that just tells you how clutch Braden Point is. I mean, I know the series versus Columbus, he scored a goal as well to, I think, tie the game going into the third period. But... They obviously got swept in that series, but he took all that and made this season pretty incredible for Braden Point, winning a Stanley Cup, being one of the big leaders on his team when Stamkos wasn't there. So um, he didn't have an eye-catching point regular season, but we, he was still solid for the Tampa Lightning, and he's one of my favorite players. I mean, yeah, broken record again, me going saying these players are my favorite players, but this Tampa Bay team is just loaded with talent. There's, like, who's not to like on their team, really? I mean, like... Braden Point's just one of those guys. I mean, I've seen the like redraft classes from the 2014 draft, and it's either him at one or two or something like that. So, I mean, just going from that and where he went in the draft is just pretty incredible. Braden Point, uh, yeah, he's he's just a small guy, and he does it all, to be honest. So I want to know you guys' thoughts on Braden Point as well. So we'll get to you, Tom, first. Yeah, like... I think he's very, he's another one of those like very small kind of shifty centers, like a lot like a Pedersen, a lot like an Ajo, but uh, he was really able to like carry Tampa Bay on his back. And when Stamkos like went down, it was, oh, this is like kind of points offense. He's going to run this offense. Kucherov, you go be there, score, score goals, get points. But like that became points team. And for being as young as he is, he really sort of embraced that role. And I know going back to like the world juniors, he played in it twice. And the first time he had two goals, two assists in seven games. And then the, I think he was the 13th he was the, forward as well. Yeah. I think he was. so. Yes. And, and then next year he, came back year he was the captain. captain. So he ended up having five points, one goal, four assists. And I remember just seeing him. He had his like neck guard. It was kind of loose. It was held together with tape. And it just like, he looked a little funny. He looked a little small. Like, Oh, this guy's never going to be anything. But he's putting up points. He put it up in junior, and like the world juniors are coming up, so that's going to be fun. And then he's carried that over to the NHL, where he's just been always a little bit undersized, but he's turned into a absolutely incredible center. Yeah, he's a, he's a monster. Yeah. This guy, like, yeah, I I still can't believe that in thirteen fourteen, so in his draft year, he had ninety one points in seventy two games, and still fell to the third round. It, it's unbelievable, and like, of course, Tampa because all the good players go to Tampa. Um, but no, like obviously he started off this injury this year hurt or last year he was injured and he still put up a really impressive year. He only played 66 games. He had 64 points in those 66 games. Uh, but his playoffs were just outrageous. How, you know, 33 points in 23 games, uh, doing that as the number one going up against teams, you know, first, you know, their best lines every single night. And still being able to produce what he did. You know, he's obviously not a huge guy. He's, he's a little small. But, you know, I think he definitely, you know, takes that narrative. You know, small guys can't perform in the playoffs. And he turned that upside down. You know, these are guys that they can. And you don't have to be big. You don't have to be this big, you know, macho man. But you can, 
you know, he performed. He put up points. He was able to drive the offense for the Lightning, like you guys said. Uh, him and Kucherov are really the key drivers of that. And you throw a guy like Andre Palat on that line with him, and they were probably the most dangerous line in the entire playoffs. They probably were. He was able to do that without, you know, the comfortability of Steven Stamkos either playing below or above him. And I think that's why he had such a great year in 18-19 because when a team's offense were, when a team was looking at, oh, we got to shut down Stamkos and Kucherov, well, here's Braden Point with Palat and Johnson on your second line. And, you know, there was a reason he had 92 points that year. But, um, yeah, this he's incredible. You know, the way he, you know, figured it out this year after, you know, a pretty disappointing playoff in 2019 against the Blue Jackets, mm-hmm. he was ready. And he proved it. Like, he's one of the best centers in the league. He impacted the game on every single level during the playoffs. And, you know, he could have easily won the Conn Smythe if Victor Hedman wasn't as great as he was. So, um, I think yeah. it's very deserving to have Braden Point at uh, at number seven. So yeah, and also we've completely forgot to mention who scored the winning goal in the incredibly long game against Columbus. Oh Braden yeah, Braden Point. And who and scored the... the series winner in overtime against the Blue Jackets? Braden, Braden Point. Point. And who so... got the and who got the Stanley Cup winning goal? Braden Point. Was it also Braden Point? Yeah, it was Braden Point. Wow. In uh, game yeah, number like... six. Yeah, he, he just was, he's carried Tampa Bay when they needed him most. And yeah, kind of incredible to watch, especially considering how young he yeah. is. I'll never not be salty that the Flames took Connor <laughs> Smith over him. Dude, everyone passed on him. To be fair, yeah. sorry, everyone twice. passed on him. Oh no, but like when you take twice. a guy that was in his overage year, and the only reason you took him was because he was like six seven <laughs> over the guy who had ninety one points. Like I get he was probably one hundred and fifty pounds uh, soaking wet. And that, you know, Brian Burke was running your draft at the time. You know, there's reasons. But, yeah, there was a lot of teams. There were 78 picks before Braden Point. That's nuts. And in Tampa, they they just, like... They know how to every, scout. Every year, like, Anthony Sorelli, I think, was he was a third-round pick as well. Like, Palat, seventh round, Tyler Johnson, undrafted. I know there's a lot of Steve Eisman's work, but, like, you have to give credit to the scouting staff. I guess we could slide into the sixth slot, no? Yeah. Yeah, so this is a guy who can't really make the playoffs. Uh, Not his fault. Not his fault at all, but he plays for the Buffalo Sabres. I think you know what we're talking about. We're talking about the Jack Attack, the Eichel Tower, Jack Eichel. Eichel, Toljak shoots, scores! What a goal! We see him quite a bit, and we see that rivalry rivalry between Jack Eichel and Austin Matthews a lot, so you can get a start on Jack. And he's a leaf killer. Yes. Yeah, he he really is a leaf killer, and he's man. I feel bad that he has to play in Buffalo because he's just he's so good. He's so deserving of being in the spotlight. And I know like Buffalo is a big TV market, but they're not a good team. And you can say whatever you want about Jack Eichel, but he's a superstar, and uh, it's really interesting watching him play and just the way he skates because he's different from everybody else. He gets really he's really tall, like you said, Eichel Tower, and it's his nickname. Uh, but he gets really low to the ice and he's really agile and very shifty, almost in a Patrick Kane-esque way while still maintaining his just, I like his height and, uh, it works too with his shot. He's really incorporated that all as like one game into his game and is the way he skates and the way he shoots. And Eichel's found a way to incorporate his shot with his skating and he's able to 
get shots off in ways that a lot of players can't really. And I think he's never really had anybody to pass to, anybody to give him passes. He's had to do it all himself, and he's been spectacular. Above a point per game, 82 points in 77 in 18-19, 78 and 68 this year, so plus 10 in terms of points per game. And then we'll see what he can do this year. The divisions are a little bit more realigned, and maybe with Taylor Hall, he can finally break through and make the playoffs. And I'm thankful that we don't have to see him as Leaf fans because he's just he's just such a Leaf killer and he's such a good player. And if it wasn't for Matthews or McDavid, he's the best player out of the McDavid draft and best American-born center if Matthews isn't there. This kid's just spectacular. Yeah, like... I don't think the gap is huge between him and Austin Matthews, if we're being completely honest. I know you guys might disagree. I don't think it's huge. Um, but no, like Eichel, like I, like, like you guys said, I feel so bad for this guy because he's done his part in Buffalo. He's pulled his weight. Like This guy, if Buffalo's anywhere near the playoffs, is probably a heart candidate this year. 78 points in yeah. 68 games. Like He was carrying this team. He was on that ridiculous point streak at a point that was this year right or last year it feels like so long ago but no like Eichel the thing that catches my eye the most with him like you said like you said Tom is the way he skates he's so graceful the way he moves around the ice like he's like and like he's so deceivingly fast because he has that incredibly long stride like you watch a guy like McDavid skate and it looks like his legs are moving a thousand miles an hour Eichel it's just so smooth and like yeah his shot one of the best in the league, like we've seen it. Like there's so many where he just comes off the wing and just snaps it and just buries. Like he's had a few nice ones against the Flames. I remember there was one in Calgary in overtime where he just walked around Giordano and just roofed it on Riddick. It was, yeah, he's elite in terms of everything. Maybe you want his defensive game to be a little better, but you can say that about almost everyone on this list. Put him on any other team. Like I hope. I hope this year goes well for Buffalo just for his sake and and even for Taylor Hall. Like that duo is gonna be a lot of fun. Um and maybe he'll do to Taylor Hall what he did to Jeff Skinner, you know, get him some goals and get him that big ass contract. Um but I just I really hope for Jack Eichel's sake Buffalo's able to turn it around because he's one of my favorite players to watch. And you know, if you request that trade, Jack, I would very much like to pay up. Like we won't get into what a Jack Eichel trade would look like. I just know we like your hole better be everything. You better get the you better get the moon and the sun for Jack Eichel if you trade him. Will they do it? Probably not. But for Jack point, Eichel's sake, make I don't the even know if it would be worth paying that. It's just you would have to offer too much. Oh, yeah. It would ruin your own team for having uh, to bring Would it be Jack worth it though if you're getting one of the best centers in the league? I think it would be. For how young he is and yeah, it it would cost you way too much. I, you don't entertain that idea. How I would do it. Give me Jack Eichel. Well, yeah. I mean, Jack Eichel deserves a lot more credit for what he does in Buffalo because I would probably say he's the main reason why the Buffalo Sabre games have views in the last five years because he's literally that good and probably he's the face of the franchise since 2015 where he's been drafted. And he's MVP year after year after year for that team. And... He doesn't get all the recognition he deserves because he doesn't make the playoffs. And Buffalo, well, is just really bad. So he has the most. He had the most overtime goals as a center this season, second in game-winning goals, and it was second in time on ice. And you know what's funny about Jack Eichel this year, guys? What? Yeah, what's that? 
He was a plus for the first time in his career on the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, that's wild. He was a plus wow. five. And like I know plus five isn't like, wow, that's outstanding. It's pretty outstanding when you play on the Buffalo Sabres. How bad and when you had are. a goalie that literally couldn't see the puck. Oh, yeah. yeah remember like, that? Hutton had that eye thing. <laughs> yeah. He literally yeah. couldn't track pucks. That's unbelievable. And like I know plus minus isn't the be-all and end-all, but right. like, it's impressive. That's, that's funny. Yeah, so Jack Eichel, I mean... Put him on any other team. He's what the best player on their team, probably. And yeah, mostly. I would just, I just hate that he's playing in Buffalo. I want to see him in the playoffs. I want to see him have success year after year after year because it's honestly like a drag on Jack Eichel's career in the start. Because we're gonna look back in a few years, maybe in ten years, and be like, man, that guy deserved a lot more like winning and recognition because the players above him are arguably they're in the playoffs every year basically and they're yeah. actually doing well maybe we're not one guy but <laughs> yeah, like they're, we, they're, they're doing a lot more than jack eichel is because they get to the playoffs and get more recognition right yeah so. like we talk about mcdavid and the oilers and like you know they've really they've made the playoffs once with him but you know at least they've been there <laughs> like for jack eichel like just they, he needs like and yeah. it's not his, not his fault this is not even close to being his fault. No. What's going on in Buffalo? But I just want to—I just want to see him in on that bigger stage. Yeah. You know, because like you said, you you put him on any other team, he's most arguably probably their best player. Mm-hmm. And you know, you put him on a bigger stage. I think people are going to start seeing like, damn, like how good this guy actually exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. You talked about a trade that looks like for Jack. Do you, do you think he asks for a trade in maybe the next two years? I think if Buffalo's as bad as they were this year and like they don't make the playoffs, I think there's. A very real chance because I don't look at Jack Eichel and I don't look at, McCon- at Connor McDavid as the same person. McDavid seems like he he'll be more reserved and be like I'll wait it out. Eichel seems like if there's one more bad year, I think he's gonna be like all right, I'm done with this. Yeah, you know, because like even his exit interview last year, back in April or May, was like he seemed so fed up with everything that happened in Buffalo, everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he was like, I'm frustrated with losing all the time, this, 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 and that. He was sitting there in his hoodie and, like, he just looked so depressed. You could pro- honestly play every clip year after year because of the same reaction yeah. every year. And I don't like the flack he gets for that. Like, people are like, oh, well, maybe you should do better. Like, what else do you want Jack Dykel to do? <laughs> yeah, it's like, crazy. Credit, like, Sam Reinhardt. He's a good player, but has that arguably been the best player Jack Eichel's played with? Is Sam Reinhardt? Like, do you camp Jeff Skinner? Yeah, you, know, really you can put here. Jeff Skinner in there. Taylor Hall is definitely going to be the best player he's ever going to play with, at least right now. Oh, oh, for sure. And I don't. They don't really have anybody of that caliber coming up through the pipeline. But like, and like you talk yeah, about Dylan Michael, Cousins, McDavid, like, will they request a trade? At least Edmonton's competitive for the playoffs. Yeah, Buffalo's at least like if it wasn't near. for a pandemic, they were a playoff team this year. Yeah, right. Like, and you know, I mean, shit happens. Does he request trade? But maybe eventually I could see it. And like Buffalo's nowhere close. I don't know what this shortened year will do. Yeah, because what we've seen with Buffalo the last few years is they're great in the first half and then they fall apart. Right. Yeah, so that's a plus this year. Hey, you know what? Shorter, it, right? it, it almost feels like the the lockout shortened season for the Leafs back when they made it is that the Leafs would always do that whole they'd be great in the first half and then. <laughs> The, the wheels would fall off the 18 trailer in the second half. Yeah. And then, you know, there was a big reason they made the playoffs that year is because they were so good in that shortened span. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it does Buffalo some good. You know, who knows? Maybe maybe it, maybe it saves Buffalo a year on Jack Eichel. Who knows? Yep, for sure. So. Well, 
Russo, you did talk about the Leafs. And, uh, well, the next guy on our list at number five does play for our Toronto Maple Leafs, Tom. It is probably the savior of the team, Austin Matthews Mitch himself. Mitch so. <laughs> No, Austin Matthews is the savior of the franchise. Shot, score! Austin Matthews! Do you want to start Russo and then we can go last? Or why do you want to do this? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll start first. Okay, like, obviously, we all live in Toronto. We all... I've seen so much of Austin Matthews, like whether it's watching it or having you know you guys in my ears about how good he is. Austin Matthews catches a lot of flack, I think, in the league or from fan bases just because he plays in Toronto. Um, he's as good as advertised, maybe even better. I, he was number four on my list. He could very easily crack the top three. This is a guy that would have scored 50 goals if it weren't for the shortened season. He's the driver of the Leafs' offense. His defensive game had took so many strides this year, which people don't understand how good he was defensively. You look at any every metric, even the eye test. Like I know there are games where it looks like he's taking a game off. And uh, Thomas, I know you've had that complaint about him in the past. Um, but this guy consistently, he's scoring goals at a erratic pace. Scored 40 in his first year, had... 34 in his second year, 37 in his third, and um, he obviously had 47 this year. He's scoring at over a, over half a goal per game pace since he entered the league, which is wild. And how old is he? He's like 22? It's yeah. it's nuts how, yeah, how 23. good... 23. Yeah, it's nuts how good he already is. And like I said, because he plays in Toronto, he does... People tend to say he's overrated, he's overpaid... He's not overrated, and he's not overpaid. Like, I would trade the world to have Austin Matthews on my team. And I know people go on about, oh, but he screwed the lease with the contract. You have him on your team for five years. Like, yeah, sure, you want to get more term out of him. But I also don't believe all of the things about him going back to Arizona when his contract's over. Like, do you really think if the Leafs are still very good, like they are right now, in four years, do you really think he's going to go back to that shit, that shit show that's Arizona? Oh, oh, absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. And everything I've seen with Austin Matthews, it seems like he loves Toronto. He loves being in the spotlight. And you know what? For like, these, the new guys that are coming in the league, they love the spotlight. Austin Matthews seems to love it. Yep. And, you know, there was obviously the, the situation that happened last year. And, um, you know, it didn't do good for him. Maybe it cost him the captaincy in Toronto. But he is probably by far and away the Leafs' best player. Yep, and agreed. Like you just said, Thomas, Absolutely. savior of the franchise, he most definitely is. And um, I'll let you guys go on with Austin Matthews because he plays for your team. So you want to go first, Tom? Uh, sure, I can go first. Okay, go. Uh, I mean, like, what more can you say about him? He's arguably one of the most prolific goal scorers the NHL has like ever seen. I don't know. Uh, there's been like a lot of articles written, like sure, 50 goals in 50 games. This is the shortened season. Was it 56 games? Can he do 50 and 56? And the argument that that could actually be a real thing he might do is kind of insane to think. Like I remember it being like two years ago, he went into November, it was like he had 20 goals in like 21 or 22 games. And then he got hurt against the Islanders and it was a shoulder, I believe. And then that kind of threw 50 and 50 at the door. But the fact that he was able to keep up with like almost a goal per game is insane. And then like 
he took the unconventional way. He had a skills coach from the Ukraine. Um, he played for the Ukrainian national team in like Quebec in a tournament just because like there wasn't hockey in Arizona. And like I've, now, thankfully, there is, and we're seeing some belt players come through. But like when he went to Zurich and he played for the Lions, um, he was the fourth uh, leading s- scorer in points per game in that uh, league. He had 46 points in 36 games in a league that doesn't necessarily score a whole lot. The player right above him in terms of that, David Runblad, who had two goals. Who do you think passed him the puck? Austin Matthews. So, I mean, uh, he's just such a prolific scorer. And there's his defensive game is there, and it's a lot better than people think. And especially in the neutral zone, he's probably one of the best neutral zone players in the league, and I don't know if you guys have seen it, but the way he's able to pick pucks out of the air, just when the opponent's passing it cross ice and Matthews is there, he just he can just snap it out of the air and back he goes on offense. It's he's really just incredible to watch. And if you watch a lot of the things he does and nitpick mm-hmm. his game, it's a lot better than you give than a lot of people give him credit for. Just looking at his game as a whole, the more you break it down, the more you realize. Oh, he yeah. is legitimately very good in almost everything he does. Would you guys not agree? Totally agree. It's, yeah, 100%. Like, everyone obviously notices the goals, and that's fine. But what you just said, Tom, is uh, obviously not bigger than the goals. But, like, it's just something that's the little, the littlest thing, the little pickoff in the air and gets you in the offensive zone. It's just, it, that's what he does. Like, just the little takeaways, the stick lifts. It's it's incredible what he does. Like, right. I love how you watch that and see that because that's what I watch too. And nobody else really cares to notice besides the goals and flashy plays like that. So, and sorry, there's just like one more thing. I mentioned it like with Ovechkin, how is he consistently able to score his one timer from the spot he's scored further since he entered the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talked about how the angle of the stick has changed like mid shot. Matthews does the same. And then he incorporates, I said with Eichel, a weird way of shooting, cantilevering his bottom hand. That coupled with angling the shot makes goalies do stupid stuff. Like oh, Carey his Price shot is so thought stupid. it was going top corner, it went five hole and Price fell down. Like you made Carey Price fall down. Yeah. It's his shot is so dumb. The amount of it's times I've just league. tried replicating it, like the amount of times I've tried replicating that shot where he pulls it in and just picks the top corner, I missed the net by like 27 feet. <laughs> It's yeah. it's it's unbelievable how he does it with such accuracy. I like his release with such ease. is so dumb. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, he's just incredible. Again, broken record again on Thomas here. Yeah, one of my favorite players, but I'll just read a couple of stats from this past year. Uh, he led all centers in goals with 47 and 35 of those were at even strength, so clearly he can play even strength, which is bonkers. Yeah, exactly. Top 10 and plus minus as a center after being a minus 9 last year. Um, the shot is insane. It's his biggest weapon in the bag of tricks he has. He's tied for first among forwards and takeaways with 78, and he was tied with Stone, as we mentioned last episode. And this is not, not really a hot take. I don't think at all a hot take, but with the talent around him, I really strongly believe a bigger trophy case is coming in the future for Austin Matthews. There's a Rocker Richard. And yeah, that Obviously. includes a Rocker Richard, a Selkie, and a Lady Bing in the trophy. So maybe multiple of each, but I yeah. think at least... I, three of those are in very the realm of possibility for Austin yeah. Matthews, so. especially in this shortened season. Like we know how it seems like every year he'll come out and score ten and ten. Yeah, it's crazy. The shortened <laughs> season is going to so play to his strength. I don't think he'll score fifty and fifty six. No, it's just a way the way it goes. But 
you'll be there, like, what, 35? Yeah. Potentially 40, maybe? I don't know that's, if you'll get 40. That's a lot, but... But, yeah, and, like, there's only one team Austin Matthews has not scored a goal against, and he's probably going to score a boatload against them this year because he's going to be playing them a lot, and that's the Calgary Flames. Um, he's probably going to torch them unless Jacob Markstrom says no. That's hopeful, um, so. And, like, I remember going to the game back in January when the Flames were here, and it's like, this guy, he didn't score, but he was dangerous every single time he touched the puck. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, I, I know Thomas, you watched the game, and I know, Tom, you watched that game. That was the David Riddick show. Yeah, but right. he could have had four or five goals in that game easily if it wasn't for David Riddick. He's unbelievable. Unbelievable, this guy. He's worth the hype. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. Gets a lot of gets a lot of media attention, and the guy at our number four slot, if we can move into that right now, gets yeah. a lot of media attention. Not as number one guy, but he gets a lot of media attention, and deservedly so. He basically filled his trophy case this this past past season. It's Leon Drysaitel of the Edmonton Oilers. Drysaitel snaps a shot. He scores. Who wants to start us off? I think it's very applicable that Russo can start us off because, well, you kind of hate his guts, right? Yeah, we, I see him a lot, obviously. I'm not the biggest Leon, Leon Dreisaitl fan. I, I can't deny his skill. I just don't like him. It's like how a lot of people don't like Matthew Kachuk. I just don't like Leon Dreisaitl. Um, He is kind of, you know, he's low-key really dirty, if that makes any sense. And I know I, I can't really say that as a big Matthew Kachuk fan, but... He, he does do a really good job of getting under guys' skins. I know he's done it to the Flames a ton of times, but um, obviously he's torched us many, many times over since he's really come into the league. And um, there's no denying Leon Dreisaitl's skill. You know, did he go on maybe a little bit of a percentage bender this year? Yeah. Is he still a very, very good player? 100% he is. Um, obviously the 110 points in like 71 games this year was absolutely yeah. nuts that's nuts um the fact that he was able to do that like he had more points than mcdavid out of like you know you know and um he's really damn good i mean he uses his body to his advantage is he great defensively no him and mcdavid are arguably two of the worst forwards in the league defensively but i will give dry saddle credit because he did get better as the season went on and i know there's that whole thing of does dry saddle actually play center this year he did um, he created a really formidable line with uh, Nugent Yamamoto. Um, yeah, he's deserving to be where he is. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, deceptively fast. He's got a great shot. Obviously, he scored 50 in eighteen nineteen. He had 41 this year. Um, yeah, and like Edmonton, the, the success that Edmonton hasn't had, it's not because of Leon Dreisaitl. It's not because of Connor McDavid. They've both been pulling their weight. And is yeah. um, elite. I mean, he was one spot lower on my list. I had Matthews over him, but, you know, the guy won the heart. He won the Ted Lindsay. He won the Art Cross. Yep. There's a reason he's there. Yeah. Yep. He actually came in the third slot for me, not in the fourth slot, but I'll take the fourth slot, but because he had a, a monster season as he took home the Ted Lindsay, the Art Ross, and the heart. It was just an incredible to watch season from Leon Dreisaitl. He led the NHL in assists, points, power play points, game winning goals, and led all forwards in ice time per game. So it just tells you how important he was to the team. And uh, he was second highest in points per game with a 1.55 points per game. Because that that's because of Morgan Geeky of the Carolina Hurricanes being <laughs> in that number one slot. The NHL all-time leader in points per game, Morgan Geeky of the Carolina Hurricanes. So but going back to Drysdale, he's just tremendous to watch. He's my favorite player on the Oilers. 
um, next to Connor McDavid because just the way he's able to like literally pick up the puck in like the smallest amount of tighted space and shoot it at, at the hardest like way he's doing it just right off a stick right into the back of that is incredible I don't know how he does it and the way he plays on the power play the way he just passes the puck it's it's tremendous to watch he's a bigger guy and can skate so I really like Leon Dreisaitl and uh, yeah he's deserving to be of this spot for sure uh, Tom, anything you have to add about Leon Dreisaitl's game? No, I think like you guys mentioned it really well, and I know we talked about a lot with like the defense and the wingers of like, oh, he's a really big guy, but he's able to skate really well. I think Dreisaitl is what probably the first on this list that we've like made that a point of he's big and can skate, and he's just a force on the ice. And like, what are, were his numbers inflated this year? Yeah, he had the highest shooting percentage of anybody we've had on this list with 19.7, which is quite high because your average is about 12 to 15. If you're really elite, like you could push 16, like your Matthews, McDavid, uh, Pedersen. But hitting almost 20% is quite high, so you could expect a little bit of regression. But he did clean the house in all of his, all the trophies he could win, he won. Um, and then just one funny stat to point out before we move on. In junior, in 2010 and 11, playing for Mannheim in Germany, he had 192 points in 29 games. Now, Which that is, is the six, dumbest stat line I've ever heard. 6.6 <laughs> points per game. He had 97 goals. Uh, that is it's nuts. probably one of the most ridiculous stat lines we have we've seen and there's been some funny ones mcdavid uh look up sam still they're all ridiculous but that's probably that that shows is absolutely ridiculous it's imagine imagine just picking on like 16 year olds the way he did so dumb i remember when he signed that contract back in the summer 2017 it was like i don't know about you guys i thought it was a massive overpay on the oilers part it was like hey you you remember what i said at the time right what did you say you have to remember you don't remember no dude every time we hang out we talk about dry we talk about what i said i said that was a steal of a contract from the start yeah it's just i and just you were remember... probably the only person that was right about that yeah i just remember he had 77 points in 16 17 i believe it was 77 and it was the only it was the first and only year he produced like that and Everybody in that class that was scoring that at that kind of rate of points, mm-hmm. I believe it was Pasternak, Gaudreau, uh, McKinnon, they were all getting in that range of about six million to about six point seven million. And then the Oilers were like, "Ha, huh, we'll give you eight and a half." <laughs> and it was like, it was like, it was at the time, it was like Peter Shirley. I'm like, "What the hell are you doing?" It was like you just broke the league, because then that's when everybody started getting more money. Yeah, that was like when the Nylander thing happened and. Um, like everybody's contracts just went up because at a point at a time, Shirelli broke the market mm-hmm. and you look at it today and like, yeah, it's a steal today. And they're lucky that dry kind of turned into the player he has been. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I remember looking back on that and it was really yeah. funny. That so, was a crazy time. Yeah. That's, it, that feels like 10 years ago, oh even God, though it was like what, three 16, or four? 16, 17 was such a fun season too. Yeah. But, yeah. um, I think we can go into top three, right? Yeah, top three. Yep. At number three, it's the one of the most iconic sports figures in Canada for sure. I think there's no denying that. Maybe one of the, the top best athlete. Of all time. Yeah, exactly. It's number 87 of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think you know his name, Sidney Crosby of all people. Crosby shoots, he scores. 
Um, I, I can I start this one off first? Yeah, hundred percent. Go for you're, it. You're you're a giant fan. Go right ahead. Yeah, again, broken record again, but I think you know what's coming. And he's just an icon of the sport, Sidney Crosby. Still to date, that continues to dominate. Even though he played 41 games, he was always so dominant in those 41 games. Like if you really look back at every game he played, and I was watching, just the way he's able to take over a game in the little things he does is like it's just really eye catching and incredible to watch. He's still so good with the amount of talent that's come into the league the last past couple years with all the speed, all the shooting. And Cindy Crosby just keeps continuing to be in that conversation as he is in the third spot of the Burning Leaf top 10 centers. But other lists in the NHL, like NHL Network, TSN, Sportsnet, he's always, always, always up there with all this talent. So it has to be. That drop-off is just, I don't know when it's coming because Cindy Crosby is just so... There's not even a thing to like. There's elite, and then there's franchise. Sidney Crosby is the franchise, like in NHL. He's in his own category. Of- yeah, he's in his own category. He finished third in scoring on the Penguins, li- missing all those games. How do you Wait, do that? He? Yeah, he was third Holy, in scoring. He played 41 games. I know. Holy shit! And he's franchise. He has franchise ability in every trait possible. If you want to put in a player, as IQ, his passing, his edges, and it and. For a guy who passes the puck a lot and gets a lot of credit for passing, his shot is actually really insane. Yeah, like, he's going to score 500 goals. Yeah, and he should have... Dude, the amount of games... He's like Lemieux, the same team and the yeah. same kind of scenario. If he played more games, dude, we're talking about maybe the greatest player of all time. He's maybe... If he hasn't missed as much time as he has, yeah. he's maybe upwards of 1,400 points. Yeah, Because he's sitting at 1,263. Yeah. But you guys, I'm done with Crosby because, yeah, he's one of my favorite players. He's just... Yeah. He's that Michael Jordan of hockey for sure in this decade for like 100%. So I'll get you to guys go go first. He's never been under point per game in his entire career. He's always been above it, which is wild in a sense. He's 33 and like he's still going like, and the fact that since that injury, like the concussion since 2013, like he came back in 2014 and he's played basically a full season every year up until this year. It's incredible that he's been able to do that. Um, considering the history this year he obviously had the core muscle surgery uh but he had 47 and 41 which is wild again um there aren't many words to describe Cindy crosby he's one of the best to ever do it you can say what you want about crosby he's by far and away you know the best player of this generation um you know, McDavid's right there with him. You know, obviously he hasn't played as many games or as many seasons, and he mm-hmm. has, he doesn't have the hardware Crosby has. But Sidney Crosby, like, I, I get a little sad knowing that, you know, his career is potentially coming to an end in the next five, six years. Yeah. You know, like, and I, I it also makes me sad that I don't think people are going to look back and realize, like, how freaking dominant this guy was. There was a time, it like, it was Crosby, and then there was like a good chunk of players that weren't even close to his stature. Like, even like he had probably the quietest hundred points of his career in eighteen nineteen. He had hundred points in two thousand eighteen nineteen. No one seems to talk about it. No, nope. because I think because they got swept by the Islanders in the series that preceded that. But no, Sid, he's done everything to keep up with the um, the speed of the game. He's never been a burner. Like, he's always been quick. He's never been one of the fastest players in the league. Mm-hmm. But his mind is so far and ahead of everyone else that that's he's been able to do everything that he's done. And, yeah, 
Sid, he's, you know, he's one of the best to ever do it, like you said, Thomas. Um, yeah. And I still remember back in grade 10, you you did an English presentation on why Jonathan Taves is better than Cindy Crosby. Did I? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> what um, the hell? Yeah, I don't remember that. But How do you remember that? It, I have a good memory of that stuff, man. Oh, my God. But, uh, I did, I, did I actually write yeah, that? Yeah, you did, because you were a big Chicago guy back in the day. Mm-hmm. But but no, like... Take that back. <laughs> like, holy crap. Yeah, but... I mean, there was an argument to be made once upon a time that people actually thought Jonathan Taze was better than Crosby. Once upon a time, that argument was actually being made. Yeah. Just due to the cups and the leadership and yada, yada, yada. And then Crosby won, won back-to-back cups, basically solidifying his uh, his dominance. So. Yeah, Tom, you could take it away yeah. now. I don't really have anything else to add. He's just <laughs> He's one of the best. He's one of the best ever and just every time we're like oh is Sidney Crosby is this the year he finally has a drop in his game and it just it doesn't come and it's unfortunate that he's been hurt for a lot of his career always missing a few games with the concussions unfortunately we'll see where that leads him to in like a few more decades and it's sad that he's had a lot of tough miles on him because even though he's 33 it does feel sort of like we're coming to the end of like Sidney Crosby's time in the NHL, even though it feels like he's just got here and he'll, he'll go down as one of the best ever. Unfortunately, I think it's safe to say he's been passed by a few others. Um, but I don't really have anything else to add. He's just one of the best of all time. Yep. It's going to suck when we're in, we're living in a time where neither of Ovi or Crosby are in the league. It's going to be just yeah. really just like, yeah. damn. It's going to be upsetting. but Yeah, because these are guys we grew up with, you know, when these guys came in. It's like the new generation, they're growing up with McDavid Matthews. Yeah. You know, we grew up with Crosby Ovechkin. And, like, thinking back to those playoff series, those rivalries between Washington and, and Pittsburgh, like, those were probably some of the most fun playoff series. Even the ones against Philly. When yeah. Pittsburgh was playing Philly, those yeah. were incredible. Battle of Pennsylvania or Crosby Ovechkin, two of the must-watch playoff yeah. series. Even I still remember that dueling hat trick game. A hardcore fan, you had to watch that. Yeah, I still remember that dueling hat trick game between Crosby and Ovi. That was nuts. Oh, you couldn't wrote so it any good. better. No, so you good. couldn't have. You couldn't have. But uh, yeah, Sid, Sid the kid. He's not really a kid anymore, but he'll always have that nickname. And yeah, I guess we're moving on to our top two. Yep. You guys have already probably guessed it at this point. Uh, but at number two, we have Sidney Crosby's successor, mm-hmm. uh, also from Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia. We got Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche, a guy that torched my team. Nathan McKinnon! Um, in the playoffs in 2019. And um, Nathan McKinnon, he burst onto the scene. Well, I guess he didn't burst onto the scene, but he really broke out. Back in 1718, I remember it was right after the Matt Duchesne trade. McKinnon basically said, All right, this is my team now. And he took over. Um, you know, carrying that Avs team to the playoffs. He had 97 points. He had 99 the year after. Uh, this year would have easily cracked 100 points. He had 93 and 69. Um, McKinnon has just, just popped, obviously, in 2017 18 and became one of the league's elite, truly elite centermen. Uh, The combination of the speed, the power, the shot, the hands, everything with McKinnon, it's just, he does it at such a pace that, like, he's closing that gap on McDavid. 
if we've already spoiled it, I guess. But he's really closing that gap now. Of It's really a two-horse race for that best player in the league. He's, in my opinion, the second best player in hockey. We, He's performed in the playoffs. I know people have said, you know, in game sevens, he tends to disappear. But 25 and 15 this year, 13 and 12 last year, 6 and 6 in the year where after they finished last um, against Nashville. He had ten and eight. He had ten and seven in his rookie year. He's a playoff performer, and you know there's not many guys that can match the power and the speed of Nathan McKinnon. And to do all that, to roll it all up into one, and be able to do what he does, nothing short of remarkable. And this guy, like he's going to be doing this for years. And the fact that like this Colorado team, they're primed to win now, and he's the main reason as to why they're primed to win now. He's really just burst on and just shown how dominant he is. He's part of one of the best lines in hockey with Ranton and Landeskog, and you just watch the way he plays, and just in all situations, he is able to just take over the game and like just put his foot down. This is my team. This is my game. We are going to win this. And he does everything in his power to do so. And he's just one of the most, one of the most determined players. It's a good way to put it. And I really think he has a special skill set, really quick, really agile. His shot's mm-hmm. good. His passing's good. His vision's good. Everything's really, really good about him. And he is, there is an argument that the gap is closed and Connor McDavid will forever be on a, another level. And I don't think that's a surprise to anybody, but like Bruce, Lee, you said the gap is closer and we'll see where it is in a few years. And I think maybe it continues to close, but Nathan McKinnon is one heck of a player. And I think he's very deserving of being in our number two spot. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, like you said, Tom, the speed, the smarts, the shot, the passing is it's truly elite for Nathan McKinnon. I mean, I remember a few years ago, uh, when Colorado was re- really, really bad. Everyone's like, oh, this guy's a bust. First overall pick bust. And, well, he kind of changed that when the NHL switched to Adidas in 2017-18. McKinnon has the second most points with 289 among centermen in the NHL since that time. And he has the second most even strength points as a center this past year with 62 even strength points, which is very incredible for Nathan McKinnon. He... I don't know if, like, obviously you guys watch him play. He literally gallops on the ice when oh, he it's, skates. Oh, it's so yeah. unbelievable. Like, it's so satisfying to watch. Yeah. And, like, and, Thomas, yeah. you said about the even strength points. Like, he yeah. did that with Rantanen only playing 40 games. Landis Gog was injured. Kadri got injured at a point. And like, I'm pretty sure he missed a couple games, too. Yeah, but, like, he, he did this with, like, I don't know. Like, he played a lot with Andre Burakovsky. And he played a lot with, I think, with Jonas Donskoy. And the fact that mm-hmm. he did what he did. And their second leading point score was a rookie defenseman. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yep. Incredible. And like, I, Tom, you said he's one of the most determined players. I've never seen a player, when they're pissed off, play as good as they can be. I remember there was a game against yep. Vancouver last year where the Avs, they got screwed in the last minute. I think one of their players was injured and like lying on the ice and the ref didn't blow the oh, whistle. Yeah. And then McKinnon was freaking out. He was like losing his mind. And then he goes into overtime, and he like went right past. I it might have been Besser, and then he flew by Tanev and just ripped a shot past Markstrom. And like the reaction on his face when he scored, it was like he was like, "Oh yeah, like f you guys." Like you know, like even against Calgary when he scored that winner against Mike Smith back in in game two when he broke my heart, um, he was just so fired up. And like as much as like the Avalanche like just killed me 
in that week. Mm-hmm. McKinnon's one of my favorite players in the league. He's unbelievable. Do you do you guys think he trademarked that gallop, 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 and then just shoot it far side? Potentially. I know Evgeny Malkin did it a lot. But like, this he, guy just does it so satisfying. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's incredible to watch Nathan McKinnon for sure. Um, I love him. He's, that's all That's all McKinnon? Yeah, you know what? I did see someone saying he's not even a top five player at his position. Get out and of here. And I was here. like, get, yeah, get out of here. That's just wrong. And I'm like, yeah, and like, it's probably the same person who thinks Milan Lucic is still a good hockey player. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, but uh, yeah, I think that does it for Nate Mack, the yep. dog, as he likes to call himself. Um, if you've watched that episode, check what's had a good laugh. But uh, at number one, you Are guys do honorable mentions first, though. Sorry. We're going to do honorable mentions first. Oh, yeah. We might as well do honorable mentions. I know yeah. you guys had a few, so I'll let you guys uh, take it with uh, a couple honorable mentions. Yeah, I mean, the first one is a teammate of Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. Um, He missed time this year in injuries as well, and he kind of put the team on his back. Had a kind of low MVP season for the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. He had 74 points, I believe, in 55 games, which is pretty insane at the age he's at with Crosby and stuff like that. But Evgeny Malkin could easily have been the 10th 10th center on this list maybe even nine because he just does he's kind of underrated because there's so many more younger players and so many more exciting players than Yevgeny Malkin just he just continues to get better and I don't know when his drop-off is going to be like comparing to Sidney Crosby but Yevgeny Malkin definitely could be in a top 10 slot uh how about for you uh Tom yeah I think mine has to be uh Alexander Barkov just such a fun player to watch both ends him and Hubert together. We mentioned it when we talked about the wingers, it's just, it's really fun to watch them together. Uh, just such a skilled pairing. And I think Florida's really luck- lucky to have both of them. Rissa, yours. Yeah. I have a, uh, this year's Selkie winner and Jean Couturier. And uh, also just a quick shout out to Matt Barzell, uh, two guys in that yeah. Metro division who are just, Really solid. Obviously, Couturier is was the Selkie winner, and he was kind of underrated for years, and finally came through with the Selkie winner. He's one of the best defensive forwards, and and then there's Matt Barzell, who's one of the most exciting up and coming guys. I know he's been in the league for now for three years, but um, he's been incredible as well. So those are two of my kind of guys that mm-hmm. um, I'd put there. And just adding on to what Thomas you said about Malkin, um, yeah. should have a hundred percent been in that. Um, top 100 players when they revealed that oh a few years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like he, that was the biggest snub I think we've seen in a while uh, was Malkin on the top 100. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that does that for honorable mentions. Moving on to number one, if you guys haven't already guessed it, <laughs> yeah. um, it's pretty obvious at this point. We got from the Edmonton Oilers, um, Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid! Um, obviously, I get to see him a lot. He's torched the flames over the past not even past few years ever since he ever since he stepped foot on nhl ice he has torched the flames no pun intended i saw something <laughs> that said against canadian teams um well more specifically against the flames he has 15 goals in 20 career games against the flames that's insane not fair um mcdavid's combination of like he's the fastest player probably to ever live um, arguably one of the most skilled players to ever live, but the combination of his speed, his smarts, his hands, everything translates into um, one of the best players we've ever seen take the ice. Um, his defensive game isn't good. We've known that for a while now. That's something that 
he's has to get better at. But when you're putting up on average about 100 points a year, um, it does make up a little bit for the defensive game not being there. But McDavid, there's not much to say about him. We know how dominant he is every time he steps on the ice. He can literally change the game in a snap of a finger. Um, not his fault, obviously, in the play-ins. His team let him down. He was so dominant against the Blackhawks um, in those four games. Not his mm-hmm. fault, not even in the slightest. Um, yeah, he's the number one player in the league. Like we mentioned with McKinnon, that gap is closing. But as of right now, it's still Connor McDavid. He should definitely have more than one heart trophy to his name. He should have, at the minimum, two. Um, he should have won it back in 17-18. But, um, yeah, he's the best player on the planet right now. I don't think there's an argument to be made. The fact that he's been doing what he's been doing, you know, with Zach Cassian as his line mate, and that he made Patrick Maroon a 27-goal scorer, and he played a lot with Lucic when he was there. Got, he had to play a lot with James Neal this year as well. It's pretty incredible what, yeah. how, like, generational talent. Like, this guy is... It's next level. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I honestly have nothing to say on Connor McDavid because I don't know if like maybe you're just dumb, but I like, if you don't have him on your one slot, like I don't know what you're doing with your life. Like yeah, again, like Russo, what you said you think maybe Lucic a top ten player if you think Connor McDavid's not. So <laughs> I, I really have nothing to say on him because he's just that good, dude. Like he does everything at a franchise, maybe even Galaxy whatever you want to tier him as things, his uh, qualities. But Conor McDavid's the best player in the league. I think he's been the best player in the league for the next 15 years. So, Tom, you have anything to add on the best player in the league? Just, I, I don't know if we have to justify him being at the number one slot. Like, there's no there's no way he's, like, number one for centers, number one for forwards, number one in terms of best player on any team. He's the best player in the world, and I, there's nothing that, we can say that would add to all the articles or whatever that's been written about him. He's the best player in hockey and will be for, like you said, the next 15 years. This is a guy I want to go see watch live so bad because it feels oh, like I saw you watch him play on TV and he's already, he looks incredibly fast on TV. I would love to see what he looks like live. In person, it's unbelievable. I saw him at the, um, the World Cup of Hockey for Team North America. Him and Matthews together just... It's it's a different level. Like you can tell, even though they're all NHL players, and like that's a different level from AHL and Europe and whatever. Like he is on a different level from everybody else. It's incredible to watch. Um, anything else to add from you guys on Connor McDavid? Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, real quick, because uh, we are going a little long here. If you guys had to name a center that you think is going to take over the league or be one of the top centers in the league, who would you guys? say up and coming i don't i don't i don't necessarily think this guy is going to take over the league but i feel like he's going to be better than what happened last year i think jack hughes is definitely on the conversation because i've seen a lot of stuff man it's like people are really bashing jack hughes for the seasons he had with the with the new jersey devils guys with the new jersey devils like they're not good and he obviously wasn't the best and obviously i think we know he's not going to be Connor mcdavid Sidney crosby nathan mckinnon level first overall pick but he definitely could be a lot better than what people are saying. Because I've seen a lot of stuff, man. They are bashing Jack Hughes for the season. Yeah, oh, he's terrible. He's not going to be good. Well, no. It's just it's just, it's just just literally one year. I think he's going to get better as the team obviously gets better around him. Because they probably will build around him and Nico Heischer at the centerman uh, spot. But yeah. I think Jack Hughes is going to be a lot to look forward to in the future. His 
Size is going to get better, just like Pedersen has gotten a little bit bigger over the past couple of years. His speed is undeniable, and I think he's going to get a lot of points in the future. So Jack Hughes in that conversation, maybe. Yeah, that was the exact guy I was going to say was Jack Hughes. The Devils in general, which is a tire fire this year. Um, and I, it, Jack Hughes was 18 stepping in the league this year. I, I, you know, there's still so much room. The sky's the limit for this kid. If you've watched him play anywhere that wasn't this first year, you, he's going to be really, really good. And that one-two punch of Heischer Hughes, I think is going to be so dominant for years to come. Um, he's Hughes has got all of the skills in the world to be a top player in the league. Will he be, you know, like a McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews type first overall pick? Maybe not, but um, I think he's going to be super dominant um, for years to come, to be honest. Uh, Tom, did you have anyone to add? Uh, not really, but I guess, like, the World Juniors are coming up, so we can talk about, like, Kirby Dock just quickly. I think we saw him with a little bit with Chicago, and I think he'll be set to have a really good world junior so i just think he's somebody that eventually will be in the conversation to be on this list he's just everything about him is really good he's big he's powerful Mm -hmm. just his whole game's already fairly rounded out and he's still just eligible for the world junior so yeah so that's uh really gonna wrap it up for this one uh so that concludes our series of the top 10 players at each position we aren't going to be doing a top 50 that's just um, I think that's going to be a little too difficult to try and do. Yeah. But uh, that is going to wrap up our series for the top 10 players at each position. Uh, with the World Juniors coming to start mm-hmm. on Christmas, we are going to be doing a little bit of a World Junior preview. We yep. do have a little bit of fun planned. We might do a little bit of a fantasy draft between the three of us um, and see who is going to be on the squads and we're going to see who's going to win. Uh, but that's coming in a few weeks, um, hopefully next week. But uh You know, that really does conclude it for this episode. Like we say all the time, uh, if you want to follow us on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's at The Burning Leaf Pod. Uh, We post clips from each podcast of us just arguing and whatnot. Uh, You follow us on our social media pages. It's at The Burning Leaf Pod. That is on Instagram and it's on Twitter. And that really ends it for us. We'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening.